This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chale. That's mintmobile.com slash chale. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chale. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday. 
and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented to you by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the promo code CHAIL to get in on all the action. Coming up on today's show, fresh off a heavyweight title fight, I'm going to tell you guys who I feel is the best big guy to ever do it. Plus, I've got a message I need to share about the flyweights and so much more. But before all of that, I want to begin with my immediate reaction I had on Saturday night after UFC 270, which I gave you over on my YouTube channel. If I had more time, guys, I would have better words. I know that I would have better words. Now, I'm not going to apologize for what I'm about to say. I'm just going to concede to you guys in advance. If I had more times, I would not use the words I'm about to use. But we're friends here. We've all agreed to get together. We're fight fans. We're here late night. We're paying customers. Let's just speak openly amongst each other. There is never a time in my career as a fan, as a viewer, when I'm okay with a guy getting screwed. Never. And you saw it tonight twice. Moreno, obviously beat Figueredo. Figueredo won a decision. He lost the fight. He won a decision. Surreal gone, obviously, beat Francis Ngannou. Surreal won the fight, but he lost the decision. I'm not okay with that. That is wrong. And if I had a magic wand I could wave over it or some kind of a crystal ball to go back in time and I was the one given the power, I would fix that. I am not okay with what happened. But if there was ever a time, if there was ever a time when we're going to throw the screw job finish on somebody, it might as well have been tonight. Collectively, the four participants in the two title fights laid an egg. And I'm not speaking about the performance. That is one commodity. As a viewer and as a fan, I have the right and I have an expectation and this industry has a standard. And those guys went against it. All four of them get equal blame for the lack of anticipation, buildup, and promotion going into their contest tonight. It was incumbent on them. It was on their shoulders. And all of them got together and did nothing. And it was a terrible miss. I use that to start as a jumping off point because my original premise was if there's ever going to be a night when we're going to pull the screw job in, I'm glad it was tonight. I'm never, I'm of course never glad when it happens. It's going to happen, I'm glad it's tonight, because what in the hell do you want to see Moreno do next? In all fairness, what do you want to see Moreno do? He's been a complete dud. There is nothing even good about his fighting style except for his offense. Oh boy, is his offense on point. His stance is wrong. His motion is wrong. Do not want to be an aspiring fighter and go watch Moreno and then go do it. I mean, some bitch fights with his hands right here. It's like he's peeking out from under a blanket, just making sure you have all the good stuff. Why not just put your hands down? If your hands are not in front of your face, why not just put them down? It's infuriating to watch, but his offense is good. I got to give him that. I mean, he's quick. He's tough as an old leather boot. There's a lot of compliments I could give him, but world champion, come on, man. No. And aside from that, what do you want to see him do next? If he was grabbing that torch and he was going to run with it, I'm asking a question. I'm not answering. I'm being a dick about it. I get it. I get it. I'm being a jerk. But i still like you to answer the question before you call me a jerk, or even after you call me a jerk, I would like an answer to the question. What is it you wanted to see him do next? 
If you have to go watch a press conference and it's gonna be with Moreno or Figueredo, who would you rather see on stage? If you gotta watch a walkout between those two, who would you rather be? If you gotta hear a post-fight interview between those two, who would you rather be? And you're not the ones I'm shouting at, but don't point the finger back at me either. Go look at the whole rest of the 125 pound division. If I was to ask any one of you right now, we'll just do it by majority. Just raise your hand. You tell me who should fight Figueredo next. None of your hands went up. None of you are yelling somebody's name. There's no unit. We don't know who's next. That division has done a terrible job, but why wouldn't it? The two guys at the top of the bill did no media for their own fight, which was on pay-per-view. If we can't count on the number one contender and the champion to do anything, and when I tell you they did nothing, these guys didn't send out so much as a tweet. These guys were borderline dishonest. They have an agreement, and that agreement comes with an expectation. I look at them differently. I can't call them crooks. I want to. I can't call them that. But this industry has a standard, and they did not live up to it. So, of course, the number three and four and five and six guy aren't. They're looking at their leaders. So, of course, we don't know who is going to fight next. And, of course, we don't care. Figueredo did not win the fight tonight. The dude with his hands down won the fight tonight. But he lost a decision. There was no way to take in tonight's main event without asking yourself at every turn, in between every exchange, in between the trading of positions, and in between the rounds. What would happen if that were John Jones? There was nobody in that ring tonight that could hold John Jones's jock. And none of you think so. There is nothing that Surreal Gone has, and Surreal Gone won the fight tonight. He clearly won the fight. He won four out of five rounds of the fight. Not even close, but he lost the decision. And thank goodness he did, because as poor of a job as Figueredo and Moreno did, the more responsibility is on later in the night, which is the main event, and Surreal and Francis did nothing. They double-crossed us fans. It's called marking out for your own gimmick. When you think you're the biggest and the toughest and people are telling you that you're the best and you're the biggest draw, those guys are never smart enough to get into the actual cage and just turn your head left and turn your head right as the guy in the shark suit named Bruce is reading out your names and make sure that that building is full, which it was not because they did a terrible job and it was borderline dishonest. But they thought, because the little circle that they run around in and people want their little autograph, when they walk into the hotel lobby, they thought that that could expand into something bigger. These guys did a terrible job. But either way, if we have to live with one of them next, the best salesman in the world, which quite frankly in this space is me, I cannot package you a competitive match between John Jones and Surreal Gone. It would be a massacre. Surreal Gone was taken down three times tonight and held there for eight minutes tonight by a guy who's never wrestled. Ever. Not one match. Doesn't own a singlet. Surreal Gone was taken down repeatedly tonight and held for eight minutes by a guy who does not hold a belt in jiu-jitsu and has never entered a grappling competition. How am I possibly supposed to package him up and tell you he could deal with John Jones, who many believed could be an Olympian, who beat several Olympians, and who won a national championship himself? How could I possibly do that? 
Okay, great. Well, that's only part of the fight. Because John's got to get him there first. Now, make no mistake, John's going to get the guy there. But okay, John's got to... You have one non-wrestler who just got out-wrestled, absolutely dominated in the wrestling department by another guy who's never wrestled. John Jones has been quiet for two years. He's talking about, I got I to gotta lift some weights and I got to drink my protein and he'll watch me do all these pull-ups, right? He's, he wants to put on some size. John Jones is going to be the most talkative guy in the world tonight, aside from me. John Jones' balls that he lost two years ago, he just found his balls tonight. Trust me when I tell you this. John is going to be chomping at the bit. If I was to put my glasses on and hold my phone, I bet you I could go to Twitter right now. Right now. And I, John's already going at it. All that courage that John lost, he might as well have gone to seen the scarecrow because he's going to have his courage back because there was nothing in that cage tonight that could touch him. Surreal versus, right, if the decision would have gone to the guy who won the fight, which is surreal. Surreal versus, oh my God, John would be a five to one favorite. They would not sell out that arena. It would be another thing where people go, oh my gosh, I just want to see John lose and this isn't the guy to do it. Can't we bring Stipe in? Can't we do anything? That because of the stand-up. Gon could hit John with his best stuff. He can't put him down. And no one's going to debate that they could wrestle with John Jones. So how do you sell that he could beat him? Okay, you know what? Thank goodness Francis actually does have knockout power. He might look slow as molasses moving uphill. He might not have a very good gas tank, but he did push all five rounds whether he felt good or not. He did take some good shots whether he liked it or not. And Francis can knock you out. You can sell that. You can sell what I just said. Not to mention it fits the criteria of what John doesn't want to face. John has only told us one thing that gives him reservation, which is the size. That's fair by John. He's moving up weight classes. He's moving up 65 pounds. It's very fair that John was honest with the audience and said, I'm a little bit reserved here, and I want to do a couple of things so that I can deal with that bigger size. So we know the one thing that John has said does bother is the size. Francis provides that. Francis does have the knockout power. Francis showed some good wrestling defense against Stipe. I mean, we're, we're going to have to work hard here. But we can get into the kitchen. We can pull some footage. We can put some highlight reels out. And you can build Francis just a little bit. Then you come out with the story that's, uh, that they're all going to start massaging this story about his knees. And his knee was bad. So we, let me just get my knee better. And what they need to do is say, no, the knee needs surgery. So I'm going to be out for a minute. Hey, Stipe, come take care of John Jones. Your greatest hope and possibly your only hope of stopping John is Stipe Miocic. He's too fast, he's too goddamn tough, and he's not scared. Very, very hard to watch tonight's fights and come to any conclusion other than one of you is going to leave champion. Turned out the guy that won didn't get a leave champion. Neither of you is the best. John Jones is the best. It was stunning to see, and I've talked to you guys about this. I would never kick a guy when he was down. By the way, I'm talking to you in a very tough tone tonight. But in fairness to me, how? Two guys that I'm giving a hard time won. The two guys that I'm the two other guys I'm giving a hard time to get to be champion. The only ones that lost tonight was us. We did not get the buildup ahead of time. We did not get any action delivered to us in there. We didn't even get anything coming on the back end. So I feel as though I've got every right to be a little bit critical. 
but I did talk to you guys very openly about Surreal Gone and the misrepresentation of the numbers. So Real Gone has a beautiful record, and I do not take that from him. And he should still be undefeated. He really should. This, this was not right. Surreal had a statistic that he had never been taken down. He has spent a total of zero time on the canvas. And I came and talked to you guys and said, that statistic is going to be very beautiful going into a fight with John Jones, who's got the greatest and nastiest ground and pound in the sport. It's going to be a very helpful stat if he had ever taken on a wrestler. If Surreal had fought Cain Velasquez, if Surreal had fought Stipe Miocic, if Surreal had fought Daniel Cormier, I could go through the list. If Surreal had fought anybody who wrestles in MMA fights consistently, it'd be a beautiful stat. But he had the stat because he was in there with absolute straight stand-up fighters, and the thing that he does well is stand-up fighting. You go through the list. I want to take any weight for Surreal. Surreal should be the champion of the world. But in all fairness, if you go who his list, nobody has ever had an easier path to a unification match in history at the heavyweight class than Surreal. They were handpicked. And not literally. There was no home cooking. Nobody thought Surreal was going to be in this spot. Surreal got in this spot because Francis made a mistake and elevated him to this spot. But Surreal, if you go back and look at the matches that he had, there is nobody that's ever been in that same spot at the headline of a pay-per-view, walking in there with an interim belt, going to, for the undisputed title, who's ever had more favorable opponents. He was dominated in wrestling by a guy who has never wrestled. That's the takedown. Staying down. Being held and kept there is where grappling comes in. But the guy that did that to him for eight minutes has never grappled competitively. All done in the practice room. It was terrible. You could have taken the best of both of those guys, put it together into some kind of a mythical hybrid, and John Jones will stop that person out for 25 minutes. So now we got some work to do. But thank goodness, Francis versus John, we can make that work. Francis still has a chance. We have a chance that we're going to see John get beaten. That's what John needs in his career. John doesn't want to hear that. He gets very sensitive. But that's, that's why John's not selling out arenas. That's why John's not making money on paper. He just got too good. Happened to Roy Jones. It's not fair. Roy Jones the best boxer of the 90s. Nobody would dispute that, including other boxers within the 90s. Roy Jones made the least amount of money because everybody knew how the story was going to end. The one thing that John needs to feed his pocketbooks, not his sensitive little ego, but for his pocketbooks, is a belief that he's going to get beat. And Francis does bring that belief because of the power. Now, we saw it's got to happen in the first round. We saw a guy that isn't a quarter of the speed of John Jones or the length of John Jones getting to him repeatedly. So it's very likely to not go well. But there's always that power chance, and we need that as fans. We are owed something. We are, more, we are owed much more than what the two title fights, four contestants, gave to us. Which was nothing to look forward to, no story, and nothing on the back. In fact, if I had a dollar for every time between the four interviewed fighters by Joe Rogan who said sorry, I believe I'd have $4. I think sorry came out each one of them. I'm really, really sorry about tonight. <laughs> bunch of babies, man. What a bunch of babies. 
We'll see how they play this. Look, 125 pounds is a mess. But before you blame the other 25 pounders, right, everybody in the world looks to their leaders. Your leader is whoever's got the belt. And the next guy that you're going to think you need to emulate and copy is whoever the number one contender is. Whoever's getting the most opportunity, you are rightfully and psychologically going to believe is doing things right. If you copy them, 25 is going to be abolished. There's nothing going on down there. And it's 100% those guys' fault. Fault used to be spread around. To the promoter, to the media, to the fans, we all shared in it. But we have now given the 25-pounders their due. We have now spotlighted 125 pounds. And the two guys at the top of the bill stabbed us in the back. Now you've got the heavyweights. The guy who won the decision lost the fight and is going to be drawing into the most dynamic, longest, fastest, freshest heavyweight on the scene. But he's got a leg injury. He told us he had a leg injury. He even wore a neoprene wrap on it. Boy, that leg must really be hurt. He needs to use that. He needs to buy time. He needs to get Jones in there with Stipe. I do believe that the neoprene brace and all the stories and rumors got this fake, fake knee injury. Come on. Come on, guys. At any rate, I do believe that that story was planted for a reason. The reason is to get a break, to take your oars out of the water. And when you're a prize fighter, much like you guys, you don't, you don't want a break. You love to use the word vacation, but the truth is you need to get paid. You want to go to work. Let's get it over now. Let's get that much closer to retirement and not be coming back here. In all fairness, a prize fighter works the same way, unless he's calculated. The only hope that we have for fans, based on what we saw tonight, based on the letdown that these two pulled, and I, by two, the two title fights, is if Francis takes his oars out as a way of starving John out, which will happen at some point, and get Stipe in there with him. Stipe is the only one that can beat John Jones. I don't know that Stipe would. That's between those boys. He's the only one that could. Because he's not too big. He's not too slow. If he goes down, he's not going to lay there like a turtle because he, he's pushing the better part of 300 than he is 200. He's dog tough. He knows how to wrestle. It checks a lot of boxes. Common opponents within Daniel Cormier, who they both had better pray to God in heaven above, stays retired. But one thing, and Daniel might be guilty of this too, but I assure you for John Jones, between now and the media cycle on Monday, John's going to find those balls of his that he lost. So those were my thoughts on Saturday night. And coming up in a moment, I'll give you my thoughts on the best heavyweight of all time. And I'll also talk about what Francis Ngano might do next. All of that after a word from today's presenting sponsor. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs. And that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with the same parlays. 
combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code CHAIL for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Where does Francis go now? You guys want to take a guess? Whether you like that Francis is in this position of digging in and wanted to change his contract or not, you have to admit Francis has done nothing wrong. And there's plenty of words that you could use. Some of them will even be synonymous, but mutually exclusive will be, did he do it wrong? No, he did not. You could say you were annoying. You could say you were disappointed. You can't argue with a guy who does it above board. And the only reason we know where Francis stands is he has told everybody. Whoever he's dealing with, he for sure has told, this is where I stand. And whatever happens to me after this is going to be your decision, but here's where I stand. Okay, he did nothing wrong. He did it. So how do you want to look at this, and what are you going to predict happens? My opinion of Francis did change at the post-fight press conference. It really did. Because Francis was polite. Francis maybe has the right to be angry. This might turn into a back and forth and things are going to get ugly. Francis stayed calm and he stayed polite. And Kevin I only asked him a very meaningful question. The words I'm about to tell you, if you miss this, are not going to be as strong on you as the body language that Francis had when he responded. And Kevin I only simply said, Francis, the way your contract works, if you do not agree to fight, you are still going to be under contract until December. So meaning for a year. Are you okay with that? Are you okay sitting and waiting? And Francis very calmly responded and he said, Kevin, I have fought three times in the last three years. So one fight a year is what I am used to. Let me tell you guys where that came from. And I thought that was polite by Francis. I thought he said it nice, but it also made me believe him. This is not a bluff. I took the demeanor along with the words to that response to show a sincerity. So we can start picking this thing apart. And if you take the side of Dana, don't feel as though you're going against the boys. That's the side of the fans. Dana knows we want to see Francis. There's big fights out there. He's trying to bring you Francis. But at the same time, we want to be, we want to be fair here. We want to listen. We all might learn something. Something could change here. Let's see where that goes. What Francis is referring to, though, and I followed this very closely at the time that it happened. Francis and Gano fought Rosenstruck. It was at UFC 246. It was less than a minute. And he was so scary and so intimidated and so successful and in devastating fashion that Dana White went to the press conference and said, Francis Ngannou is going to fight for the World Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to hold him out until then. That was meant as a huge compliment. 
It was also meant for a level of responsibility because Dana's seen, I can't just put Francis in there with anybody. He's got to be in there with a top guy who can protect himself. The only thing that was different about this is the heavyweight championship was currently signed. It was Stipe versus Daniel, and it was two months away. So Francis is going to have to wait those two months, let him come out of that, all the healing time, get back into a country. Francis is going to have to sit for a minute. And I've never seen anybody more guilty of the expression, no good deed goes unpunished, than Dana White. Dana was trying to be nice. He was trying to say, you've proved yourself. He's trying to say, whatever we have to do, whatever we have to wait for, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it for you. And don't forget the timeline for this. This was with John Jones saying he was coming up. So when Dana said Francis is next, Dana ended the conversation on, will you just bring John in and let John go next? So this was meant to be very nice, but Francis looked at it a little bit differently and made it clear. And Francis said, I don't want to wait. I don't mind going through guys. Get me in there. Get me busy. The night that Francis won the world championship, he said that again at the press conference. He said at the press conference, one thing I'm going to do as champion is I am going to stay busy. I want more matches. They can figure out who he had a very good attitude. He really did. But he was offered a fight with Derek Lewis. He didn't do the fight, which is where you insert Surreal Gone and the interim championship. So if you were to start to look at this and start to guess, what direction is this going to go? Look, I think Kevin Ioli shined some major light on that. I did not know what Francis' contract looked like. I was under the impression, and this is just through things I heard through the media, that if Francis won... That activated a different clause in his contract, which meant he owed one more. That's what I thought. But now Wyoli saying, no, he can actually walk. He just has X amount of months of what's called a uh, exclusive negotiation period, which looks like it's going to take you the better part of the year until December. Francis also opened to saying this isn't just about the money. I want to have an opportunity to go and box, we think, Tyson Fury. If you side with Francis, if you think that that is reasonable, if you think that's the way that the sport should be done, I'd have to ask you what was different about Francis and the 10 other guys that won on Saturday night. 11 guys got their hand raised on Saturday night. Do you believe that victory is all that matters? You get to control a contract? Are you going to add things to a contract? Are you going to change a negotiation if you won your last fight? Because if you do, so did 10 other guys, 11 in total. So are we talking about changing the entire industry? You're not wrong if you're saying yes. I'm asking you a question. You think the entire industry should be changed? That there is no point in having guys under contract with you? That you have obligations to, they have obligations back, you're doing this together? Or do you think the rules for Francis should be changed because he's the champion? Is that what, it, if, you're, if you're the champion, you don't have to come in and defend, the rules going to be different? When you're trying to climb the ranks, you've got to play by, by one set or you don't have to play by another. I mean, but this is the question. If it's okay for Francis, if you think Francis should be able to do this, then that means you think that all the guys who got their hand raised should be able to do it. Is that right? Because this is where it ends up being a little bit sticky. And Francis is saying it above board. His manager has said it above board. He's let all of us know. And his response to Kevin Ioli that if I have to sit for this year would be in line with what I had to do after my, my last three fights, I found it to be powerful because I, I no longer think he's bluffing. I do believe Francis is being given bad advice. Wherever Francis is thinking that the world 
wants him to go and fight Tyson Fury. I don't know who put that in his head. But that's Francis's dream, and I'd be way out of bounds trying to take it from him. If you got some promoter out there that's willing to lose a ton of money and wants to throw it at that match and how they're going to package it and how they're going to say, I really have the foggiest idea, but if they want to do it, that's their business. It's not ours. It would seem like a very risky thing and even a silly thing to hold out for when you don't know that you have a bird in the hand. Francis being active is looking at anywhere from seven... Everywhere from six to nine million dollars this year. So his opportunity costs just to wait till December for a fight that he does not have is the better part of your entire career earnings. That's his decision. I would like to know how this got put in his head. Does he think because he has a tweet from Tyson Fury that Tyson wants to do the fight? Does he think that Eddie Hearn is going to go throw down the money? And it's a very tough thing, guys. It doesn't matter how good you are. And we've only seen it once. That was Conor McGregor, who was a simultaneously double champion within the UFC. Nothing's bigger than that. Francis is not in a spot bigger than that. Not to mention the opponent of Floyd Mayweather. Francis is in, not in a spot bigger than that with Tyson Fury. But Conor McGregor did not get $100 million. That is not true. There was no contract anywhere in the world that anybody in the world would put the name Conor McGregor and all of a sudden, here's your payday. The pay was for the sitting reigning UFC champion who had the greatest carnival barker in the business, Dana White, behind it. That is what got you to $100 million. If December rolls around next year and Francis has been unseen, and Francis is no longer the undisputed champion. And he no longer has the power of the organization behind him. The unlikeliness of a payday in boxing with Fury exponentially declines. That's always a hard one to see. But I must tell you, two people wanted to fight Francis after this performance. One was Tyson Fury. Now, I can't give Tyson a hard time because Tyson wanted to do it before the performance, not just before Francis got outstruck. Tyson was on board anyway, so Tyson's okay here. And the other one that wants to do it is John Jones, who lost his balls two years ago. John has been offered this fight repeatedly and has said no. These heavyweights went out. They look terrible everywhere. And you start to have to revisit Surreal, which isn't fair. Now you're kicking a guy when he's down. But if you're being fair to Surreal, who had never been taken down, and they don't put an asterisk there with a caveat to let the audience know he never, nobody tried to take him down. He spent zero time on bottom. But they don't put a caveat. The audience has to do their research to realize he's never taken on a wrestler. You do start to look at the matchups and you start to realize, man, these were pretty damn favorable. For a guy with Surreal's skills which is fantastic, stand-up. That list of guys he went through to make it to a main event of a pay-per-view for an undisputed championship, my, it, couldn't have been, it couldn't have been much better. Could not have been handed to him a whole lot better. So start to revisit the whole thing. And it's not long when we do it, guys. We're doing what's right. We're admitting 
we're saying openly things that we didn't see, things that we know only in retrospect. But all of a sudden, John Jones is seeing those same things. And I mean, it's as though the scarecrow went and saw the wizard because all of a sudden he's got his courage back. And I do think that that's very interesting. I think that that's food for thought. But where Francis sits and what his statements were in conjunction with what he said to Kevin Ioli, I don't know how bullish I am on the idea that we're going to get Francis and John in there. There's some discussions that need to be had. There's some work that needs to be done. I'm encouraging you as you get vested in this. Do not throw your hands up and do not pick sides. Don't pick Francis' side. Don't pick Dana's side. Dana's been very straightforward. What he needs, Francis has been very polite and straightforward himself. Let's just enjoy the show. Let's see what happens. And perhaps through this process, we're all going to learn something. Who's the best heavyweight fighter in the world, guys? Who is it? Is it Francis? That would certainly be the right thing to say. I fully believe that the guy's got the belt no matter what. If you come in the Bangalore, I know guys can beat him. I, I think you're a jerk. Why aren't those guys beating him? Why aren't they speaking up even trying to beat him? I think you look like a jerk when you do that. I don't like it. 155 pounds, which is the deepest and hardest division in the history of our industry. And Charles Oliveira is the most questioned champion we've got. That's weird. That's a very weird thing. I don't agree with that. But we still do it, right? Me too. I'm doing it right now. I don't think Francis is the best. I don't think Surreal is the second best. They just fought for the world championship. That's what it's supposed to mean. Number one contender is supposed to mean you have separated yourself from the pack. You are the best of the bunch. And there's only one question left, which is, can you beat the world champion? That's what it's supposed to mean. And we usually get pretty close to that. Sometimes we got some divisions that are pretty debated and, hey, you're going to go next and you're going to go in this order. It's damn near flip a coin. That's okay. But that is what it's supposed to mean. And after seeing what I saw on Saturday, I don't have either guy. So who do you have? It would seem to me, knowing what we know now, and guys, don't forget, techniques that work versus what we were told was going to work or what was meant to work or what was practiced and designed to work versus what actually worked is one thing that started to be established and refined since 1993. And you had the karates and the aikidos and the kung fus and the wing chungs. You had these traditional martial arts that quickly found their way out the door. But they made a statement before they left, which is our techniques are so dangerous. They're so effective. We're not going to compete in this style of competition, right? They had their excuse and they got the hell out of the way. But then you saw jujitsu that was taken over. <clears throat> jujitsu quit taken over by 98. By 99, jujitsu had its excuse, which is we are meant for one long fight. What is much more real in society you have a round system, and You're taking us out of our element, and you're doing it up to five times. They offer their excuse. The one element of MMA that was true in 1993 and is true in 2022, and the one genre that never offered an excuse not once was the wrestler. 
They did not complain when there wasn't weigh-ins. They didn't complain when there was gloves when there wasn't gloves. They didn't complain under uh, the unified rules or what a downed opponent is. They didn't complain when they could knee or when they can elbow. The elbow just the wrestler just went out there and took care of business. And that even includes people who didn't come from a wrestling background. The mindset of the wrestler to keep your mouth shut and to compete under whatever the rules are and live with the result either way and not be embarrassed about it is very unique. But from 1993 till right now, basically every technique that you've ever seen has been thrown out or redefined at some point. It doesn't matter how long they've been setting that damn cage up or how much longer they're going to set it up. If you get on top of a guy and you keep him down, you're going to win. And that's what we saw with Francis and Surreal. We just got a reminder that from 1993 to present day, the only thing that still has held up the test of times is if you can get on top of the other guy and keep him down against his will, you're going to win. And as I look at the heavyweight class right now, I have never seen wrestling so underrepresented. I don't see the Nick Gwizdowskis of the world. I don't see the Gable Stevens of the world. I don't see the Terrell Delegnevs of the world. I don't see anybody. We don't have a single... All-American signed to the company at heavyweight. I was so unaware. When I saw the deficit in skills done by Francis, when I saw the deficit in skills done by Surreal, it dawned on me, we don't have an All-American in the whole damn organization. When has that ever happened? How did I not realize this was happening? Where are these guys? That, and in addition to that, I don't suggest for you just because we saw that wrestling works and if you bring in some great wrestler, we get to elevate them over. We got great wrestlers and they all chickened out. I don't get to bring up the fact that Brock Lesnar would have beaten either guy in the ring the other night and you know it. You know Brock Lesnar would be the champion of the world. I don't get to do that. I don't get to come in and tell you that Daniel Cormier... If Francis Ngannou could take Surreal down, I don't need to even ask you, do you believe with full confidence that Daniel could take him down? I don't need to do that. Because they had the opportunity. Daniel was there. He didn't step in there. So I don't get to, it's not fair by me. And the same thing comes to John Jones. I do see it the way that John sees it today. Which is, John, your skills, your size, your everything is enough. But where was I last week speaking up on John's behalf? Where was John speaking up on John's behalf, right? If you're scared, if you don't have the balls to go in there and even try, you don't get to be part of the conversation. But you do see where it is very relevant that the one technique that worked is a technique that worked in 2010, in 2000, in 1995, and in 1993, the first thing they ever did this. And there's no other technique that you could say that about. Get on top of a guy against his will and keep him there against his. And we don't have a single wrestler that has stepped forward and is representing our sport in the heavyweight division right now for the first time ever. If I would have told you a week ago, Lesnar's going to come in, it's going to be a great pay-per-view, someone's going to beat his ass. You'd have tuned in and you watched it and you would have thought the same thing. Now you see Brock Lesnar would be the heavyweight champion of the UFC. He just didn't know it. He didn't have the courage to go do it. And that is something that changed in 1994. Not 93 when they set it up. It was another year, 1994, and the athlete was named Dan Severn. I was a wrestler. I was a lifelong wrestler. We got picked on in the hallways just like everybody else. 
Football player comes down the hallway, you get the hell out of the way. He's bigger, he can bench press more. That's all what we thought. Dan Severn showed the world, no, actually wrestling is very good for combat. No one knew that. This wasn't some secret society that all the wrestlers, we knew what we could do. We did not. We had no idea that wrestling could deal with karate or deal with boxing or deal with it. It had never been tested. So it was shown to us all. I'm just reminding for you because we've got some damn good wrestlers here. You think Daniel Cormier couldn't come right off the bench and take those guys down? I don't think you think that. I think you know that he could. You don't think Cain Velasquez could go sharpen up for a few months? You don't think that Brock Lesnar could come right over? Brock Lesnar would be the champion of the world right now, but he didn't know it. And the same thing goes for John Jones. I believe with full confidence that John Jones is the best fighter in the world. But he's not the champion. Should he be looked at it like that? And I don't know why Miocic is so quiet. I will never understand why Stipe is so quiet. There may be a day where I come out and I understand it and I respect it. I don't either right now. I appreciate what a nice person he is. I appreciate the way he has represented himself. I appreciate that he puts his family, his fire department, and his city above all else. But I don't understand it and I don't agree with it. I think an interim championship is brewing right now. The only question, who's going to fight for it? So real gone, not for nothing, has not done a single thing right in this process. So real gone is the Kevin Nash of heavyweight champions. He is the worst drawing, lowest interest champion the UFC has ever had. That is a short-term memory. And I'm sure that's not a literal statement, but Surreal has done nothing right. And you have to understand why it's important to do things right. Oh, Trail, you always think a guy needs to go out there and talk. Yes, I do. I think the guy needs to be remembered. I don't care that he has a job tonight. Even a main event that's going to pay with a whole bunch of commas and zeros. I don't care. As much as I do, does he have a job to go to tomorrow? I thought Surreal won the fight. I don't, I don't care to hash that out. I thought the fighting, the fighting part of it, the doing damage to your opponent, the fighting part that was done was controlled by Surreal Gone. That's what I think. And damage is supposed to trump octagon control. Octagon control does matter, but it is not the first. The first is damage, followed by octagon control. So you got the guy with the octagon control who wins the whole contest, not the guy that did the damage. I don't agree. That's okay. I don't want to rehash that. I'm just trying to prove the point that Surreal was as close as you can get. Can we agree on that? He was as close as you could possibly get. So if Francis is going to leave the scenario, then Surreal, by definition, should be the number one contender. Still. How do you beat the number one contender? The only guy you lose is the champion. The champion leaves, and then all of a sudden you lose your spot? That doesn't make sense. But of course you can't put Surreal back in there. Not after you see what a terrible job he did. He did a terrible job leading into this thing. He's done a terrible job on the way out the door. And then he called for a rematch. <laughs> he called for a rematch. He thought he did something good. He, th he looks around. Ah, the building's empty for a man. Uh, the building's not full. For a heavyweight attraction. He thought he did something good. They'll give him another one. Surreal is not going to get another one. But let's just use the logic. But in fairness, he should still be looked at as a top contender. And if that's true, and now that we know what we know, Stipe Miocic has a very easy night in front of him. If you get Surreal out of the mix, now you start to have the Stipe and the John Jones conversation, which is where I think that it's going to go. But it doesn't have to. And Jones has an opportunity to slip in and grab himself a world championship. Jones needs to decide, does he want to partner up with Stipe or does he want to partner up with Surreal? 
And this is one thing that these heavyweights never understand. They haven't understood this in the beginning of time. And quite frankly, it's not just unique to the heavyweights. It's all the fighters. They don't, they don't understand. I've got an enemy. I have a rival across from me. To hell with that guy. You have a partner that when the guy in the shark suit gets the hell out of the way and the dude with the dreadlock says go, you have a partner that you're working with. So you need to go out and identify who that partner is going to be. Who is going to bring in the most to this night of business that we're going to share? Get a plan together and come out in the media and make something happen. These heavyweights don't get that. That'll never happen. They will, they will have their lives controlled by the luck of the draw and somebody else on the second floor at the corporate headquarters, the same as they've always done. But right now is nothing but an opportunity. Be the guy to pull Francis out. Be the guy that goes after Francis and puts him into a corner in a way that he feels he has to come out and defend. You don't think Dana's going to appreciate that you were the one that did that? You don't think whatever 55-pounder lured Khabib back out getting Dana with Dana, you don't you think Dana's going to forget that guy? I'm going to pat you on the back and tell you, you did a damn good job. You helped me to solve my job. Thank you. And you're going to be rewarded for it. But this is an opportunity that's staring you in the face right now. Not to mention there's never been another time for the first time in UFC history that I can remember there's not an All-American in wrestling amongst the bunch of you. But it's still a division where whoever gets on top and stays there longest leaves with all the accolades. So the wrestlers need to wake up. And the rest of you boys that have these skills and you want an opportunity need to speak up. Guys, we had better get to work. We've got some work to be done, and the time is right now. Kaikar France, allow me to submit his name. Let's get behind him. Let's elevate him. Let's get him in there for a world title. Anybody else that can fog a mirror, let's elevate him. Let's, we got to get them for a championship, or we're going to have to watch Figueredo Moreno a fourth time. Figueredo and Moreno are already talking about it. Guys, hold on. Do you remember when you were a little kid? I can assure we've all had this experience in some regard. There was somebody that you looked up to, and when you looked to them, they were then mean to you. You'd pick a guy to be your captain on recess for, for a game of kickball, and then once he's the captain and you've given him this power because you thought he was a cool guy, he tells you you're on the bench because you're not good enough to play. Something along these lines. This is what's happening right now with the leaders of 125 pounds. Figueredo and Moreno have gotten up in a loft, and they're pulling the ladder up behind them. These guys double-crossed the industry. They did no media. They did no build-up. They gave us absolutely nothing excited to look forward to except something that we've already seen for much longer than we already see it already. So we were being kind and generous to them by buying tickets, keeping our mouths shut, letting this thing play out. We were being very respectful. All of the rest of the guys at 125 pounds have the right to look to the leaders your leaders are whoever is fighting for the championship next. Your champion always qualifies. Whoever wins the bureaucracy will be the number one contender. Those are the two guys. So you're going to look at them, see what they did, and then you're going to try to emulate and copy it. Which is why 125 pounds sucks so bad right now from an entertainment standpoint. A division that was rumored to be abolished sent off some red flags on a couple of guys. Henry Cejudo is one of them. Figueredo is another one. 
So, boy, I got to save my job. I've got to, I, I, I'm going to save it for the rest of the boys. I'm going to do everything right. They came out. They made interesting things. The other 25 pounders just looked to those guys and thought, well, they're different. They're in the spot. I'm staying over here because Figueroa and Moreno are now talking about doing this a fourth time after they double-crossed us in this last one. We have to get new blood in there. Period. Kaikar France comes to mind. Being in touch with yourself is a very hard thing to do for all of us. But being in touch with yourself when you have a popularity on social media makes it nearly impossible. You have to force yourself to go to other threads, to go to your opponent's social media, to go to, the, and you better be comparing them. You better be comparing likes. You better be comparing tweets. You better be comparing comments. You better be comparing followers because I see these guys get so close and then they mark out for their own gimmick. They go to their specific fear, sphere. They see the positivity that they get for absolutely any idea they have and then they get misled and think, well, I can't have any bad ideas. All my ideas are good. Well, yeah, sure, if you're going, right? It's like, it's like going to a holiday with your family and friends and then wondering why everybody likes you. People, we don't want to see those two knuckleheads fight again. For any reason. I mean, including competitive architecture, in all fairness, I do think that they have proven that they are the two elite. That if you want the best guy against the next best guy, which is supposed to be what a championship fight is, that we've got to turn to them. But we did it, we did it again, and now we've done it, hopefully, for the last time. But the fellow 125-pounders who look to these guys so they're copying them, which means you do absolutely nothing. Do you want to know how many guys I've heard from? Would you like to know how many 125-pounders I, Chael, who has a massive audience you guys have heard from? None. Do you want to know how many managers I've heard from about their clients who happen to be 25-pounders? All total that would like their name, their accomplishment, their hard work. They like to come onto the program. They like to see their name in a thumbnail, do absolutely anything that the week after is all about None, guys. I have not heard from any. So I'm going to submit for you Kai Car France. He is very good. He's a handsome guy. He's an up-and-comer. He's got a win over a former world champion. That is going to have to do it. If that doesn't sound like enough for you, make it enough. you got to make it enough. Major opportunity for a 35-pounder to come down if they can make the weight. If Cody Garbrandt would have found a way to win that fight, boom, our problem solved. We are going with Cody. He's a stud. He's new to the division. He's undefeated. Even if it's 1-0, we know who he is. I don't know what's going on at 25. I don't know who told these guys, just because you're the littlest guys means you deserve the littlest voice. It's not true. you got 160 characters just like everybody else. Write it out there, hit send, and do it over and over and over again. And I will see guys within a division, I see this one all the time, I will see guys within a division who don't worry about outperforming or out-entertaining anybody that's ranked lower than them. Or the guys that are ranked lower say, well, I've already lost to this guy, so I'm going to have to wait until he gets his opportunity. We don't know any of those things. We don't know who any of you have fought. We don't know your records. We don't know your hometowns. We don't know if you're Southpaw or Orthodox. It's in your head that we know. We have the foggiest idea. 
We don't care if you decided on your own that the opportunity shouldn't be yours and therefore you're going to pass to the next guy because we don't know if he's going to get called. He's not going to get called if he doesn't speak up. And none of you have said anything. Nothing. The only one who's saying he should get a fight for the championship again is Moreno. Which, by the way, if you happen to watch the pay-per-view, there was only one guy in the building that night that had any fans. And it turned out he had all the fans. The reception for Moreno was amazing. But that mandate of the masses is one of the elements that you must have way in front of your resume. Way in front of your wins and losses. You're a blue belt, but this guy's a black belt or vice versa. So you think you have to jump on him. If you have the mandate of the masses or vice versa, if you do not have the mandate of the masses, you are not getting those opportunities. And I bring that to you because there is a very real chance that we're going to have to put up with Figueredo and Moreno again. Just, just because there's not a better idea. Just because nobody stepped forward. We've seen the fight three times. It was demoted after the first. That's a reality, guys. The reality was the first time we saw them fight, it was a main event. It has never returned to main event status. So what are we going to, we're going to do it a fourth time? It's going to open the card? Is there anything that could make it clear that we're not interested than it itself Losing placement within the event? Two great fighters. Boy, I got no problem with anything there. Their lack of buildup, the lack of anticipation, their lack of getting out and making sure people tune in. You want to know why you don't have people tune in? Because you're not sure you're going to win. I see it all the time. Hey, man, why don't you go out there and talk a little bit? Why don't you spread the word? I don't like to do that. I don't like to talk trash. Nobody said the word trash. We said go out there and talk. Go out there and make sure it's called promotion. And the guys that don't do it are just the ones that aren't sure they're going to win. If you're going to get your ass kicked, you'd much rather get your ass kicked with less people watching it, right? So you got these two wildly unconfident guys that now we're talking about going and doing it a fourth time. It's going to be incumbent on us. Kaikar France is a damn good fighter. He really is. Why I haven't heard of him, I have no idea. I mean, I heard from him. Why Ariel hasn't heard from him, which I'm trusting he hasn't, or he probably would have had him on the show. Why Shab? Why Bisping? Why Corn? Why we don't hear from these guys? I don't know, man. They got terrible managers. We're going to have to do this on our own. Please help me here. Please don't make me watch Figueredo and Moreno again. I beg you guys. Kaikar France, you got a better idea? I'll listen. But until then, let's go with him. All right, guys. That's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review like our friend Chris, who says, always a good listen. Well, thank you, Chris, and thanks to all of you for listening every Wednesday and Friday. We couldn't do it without you. I'll be back again on Friday, and until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.